What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Terminator 101. I am so excited to start the commentary series for the entire franchise. We're going to get into this. Um, this is something I've always wanted to do. So here we go. I mean, this is this just makes sense. So these are going to be full-length commentaries for every single film in the franchise, okay? All five films we're going to talk about in depth. And kicking it off is The Terminator, my personal favorite in the series and my favorite film of all time. So let's get, you know, let's get right into this, guys. Um, however you're watching this, if you're watching it on physical media, DVD, Blu-ray, if you're streaming it somehow, I am 35 seconds into the film, okay? I've skipped past all the production credits and all that stuff. Um, you know, the Orion Pictures opening and everything. We're getting right into the film, right into that opening um, scrawl of text, okay? So the screen is black, 35 seconds. If you need to get popcorn, soda, water, whatever, you can pause right now. And hopefully you guys have everything that you need. So here we go, guys. Without further ado, sit back, relax, and let's start The Terminator. I'm going to count it down. Three, two, one, play. And on play, hit your play button. All right? I'm so excited. Three, two, one, play. Hemdale presents a Pacific... Western production of a James Cameron film. Oh, man. I'm telling you, this movie never gets old. Los Angeles, 2029 AD. Now, this is one of the... This is one of the things about this film that I absolutely treasure. The fact that everything we are looking at is practical. There is no CGI in here. This is uh, animatronics, miniatures, uh, stop motion. You know, everything at the filmmaker's disposal before CGI. And just look at the real grittiness, the rawness to all this. Oh, it's so beautiful. Look at that. Oh, such a gorgeous shot. Now we get the opening scrawl. The machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire. Their war to exterminate mankind had raged for decades, but the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought here, in our present, tonight. And come on, guys. Brad Fidel's score, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ugh. You know, that's... Another thing I love about this movie is, along with T2, something that the other movies just don't have. They have these epic, super badass openings, and they just really set the tone. They tell you what kind of a movie you're going to be watching, and I love this. this. I mean, it's simple, right? It's text in front of a scrawling text in the background, right? But it's so effective, and you're going to get tired of hearing me talk about and say that word, effective. But um, it's one of my go-to terms when I talk about the, uh, the first Terminator, at least. But definitely the second one, too. 
So here we go. We got Brad Fidel's score in the background. Um, we had the opening credits. Let us know who is uh, in charge of what. Stan Winston, come on. Rest in peace. Genius. Fantasy 2, special visual effects, written by James Cameron with Gail Ann Hurd. I want to talk to you guys about that for a second. Um, as far as I know, now if you guys have heard something else, let me know, but as far as I know, Gail Ann Hurd didn't actually write this script. James Cameron exclusively wrote the script, but Gail Ann Hurd, which we all know became uh, Cameron's future wife, uh, she was, you know, very active in suggesting ideas and stuff like that, and probably, you know, to accommodate her since he, you know, had plans to marry her and everything, because um, I don't think they were married at the time of the making of this film. I don't believe so. But either way, whether I'm right or wrong, she didn't write it as far as I know. She suggested things, and they got put into uh, the script, and so she got a uh, screenplay credit. Now, here we go. The... Uh, iconic entrance of Arnold's character. Now, I love this this driver. What the hell? <laughs> Goddamn son of a bitch. Oh, I love it. Oh, look at this, guys. Look at this. Look, look at this. That blue electric. And then all of a sudden, just the... Oh, blinding blinding light the smoke and this is really where i mean look at arnold i mean he's in his prime obviously but this is really the first inkling and i'm going to talk about this as well with you guys of why we are watching a horror film this is a horror film and it's my favorite horror film i will to the day i die defend this film as a science fiction horror film Look at that. Look at Arnold. Now, unfortunately, when I think of this and when I see this opening, because I've seen Terminator Genesis, I do think of that opening and how poorly done it was. But you can't top this. This is just so iconic. Look at that. The T-800. Man, the world is his to take by storm. And, of course, we have Bill Paxton here. Rest in peace as well. What the hell is with his hair? That's something I've always loved about this. This is one of my favorite characters. There you have the X-rated shot. Um, yeah, it's surprising that that got included into the final cut. You could see Arnold's junk kind of dangling back and forth there. But here we go. Horror film, straight up. <laughs> and these other thugs, too. Punks, whatever you want to call them. They're great, too. I mean, this whole trio... But Bill Paxton, I mean, he's obviously the standout. He has, like, a tire skid on his face. And, all right, let's just, let's just watch the brutality here, and then I want to talk to you guys about something. Oh. Oh. Don't do it. Oh. Look at that. And I love it. The other guy's just like, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Now, I love it. We don't know. Does the T-800 kill this guy? We don't know, but I love it. Um, so when I eventually do a top 10 list of my top 10 favorite Terminator quotes, fuck you, asshole, is definitely going to be in there somewhere. So great. And here we go with the arrival of uh, Kyle Reese. 
And this is a great opening because this is, uh, again, practical. What you're about to see, right? There. That is a stuntman, obviously not Michael Bean, the stuntman falling from a ladder onto actual cement. So props to that guy. I mean, you can just see the pain in that shot. But here we go. We have Michael Bean. Now, we all know the very famous story of um, the casting that went on with this film. And at one point, O.J. Simpson was going to play the Terminator. He was later thought... uh, to not be very convincing as a killer, which we're not going to get into that. It's just very ironic. Um, and Arnold was actually considered for this role, Kyle Reese. Can you imagine how different of a movie that would have been to have an Austrian hero and O.J. Simpson hunting him and Sarah Connor down? That would, I mean, I would love to see that movie. Not for O.J. because, I mean, the Terminator is a very, you know, straightforward character. But, um... That's something that I, I never really understood. Fun fact, that, that this cop kind of looks like OJ. But that's something I've never understood. Why did the cop pull around the corner like they're like, like already looking for Kyle? They must have been looking for someone else, and they mis, you know, mistakened Kyle for that other person. It's just funny that they came around the corner right then and there and was like, hold it right there. Yeah, they must have been looking for someone else. But anyways, um, yeah, I would love to see that movie. Not for OJ, but for Arnold to see how weird would that have been to see Arnold have like a love scene with Linda Hamilton? Ooh, kind of weird. I mean, everything happened for a reason, and obviously we can't change it, and I wouldn't want to change it. This movie is perfect. There you go, horror. This is a horror film. It even has jump scares. Great line. What year? What? And if you guys hear any pauses, it's just because I'm, you know, getting invested into the movie. So I'm going to do my best to talk as much as I possibly can. But for some scenes, I think it's appropriate to just let it play out. So here we go. We're into the um, we're into the scene of uh, Kyle, get, uh, you know, obtaining, getting his clothing and his very cool shoes. <laughs> And something this movie does so well is establish mood. This, I mean, another reason why it's a horror film, it's mostly at night, right? It's mostly in dark, you know, and it's very fitting for the kind of movie that it was going for. T2 is a much more bright, you know, in daylight kind of movie, and that fits the tone as well. It's an action adventure, epic. So, I mean, just lighting in general plays such a big part, and, you know, Cameron... Direct, you know, the director of photography, Adam Greenberg, you know, everybody understood how to present this movie in the most effective, there we go, way. And again, when I see this, unfortunately, I mean, damn you, Terminator Genesis. You've tainted me because I just think of fucking Amelia Clark bursting through the doors saying, come with me if you want to live. Ugh. So glad they're getting that out of the out of the way with this next film. I do not, I, I would not have supported more Genesis sequels. But we'll get to that when I talk about Terminator Genesis in the future. I love that. You, <laughs> I love that. You can just, yep, open a cop door. I mean, I don't know. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I would think that, I don't know, cops lock their doors. Maybe back in the 80s they didn't, but I would think nowadays you can't just go up to a cop car and open it. Could be wrong. So here we go. We think, uh, or Kyle thinks, uh oh, shit, I've been spotted. I love how you see him backing up and then he just keeps walking. It's great. So we've established, we don't, but again, if, if this is the first time you've seen this movie and you don't know anything about the Terminator, which is very few people, but if you've never seen this movie, you don't know who is the hero and who's the villain. Again, with T2, assuming you don't know anything, we don't know who is who. So we've gotten the introduction of the T-800. We've gotten the introduction of Kyle. And guess who we're getting the introduction to next? The lovely Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Look how beautiful she is there. I mean, (laughs) James Cameron, what a dog. Two of his future wives are are on this movie. One is in it and one is behind the scenes. What a dog. He just takes his work home way too many times. And then his current wife he had in Titanic. The guy just, ugh. But anyways, enough. We're not talking about his personal life. Guard it for me, big buns. Sarah is just so great. She's truly my all-time favorite, you know, female character in cinema. She's such a badass. And that's another thing James Cameron does so well is, is um, creating and crafting and shaping really strong female characters. You know, he's very adamant about that. So whether it's Sarah or Ripley or Rose, anybody, you know, it's great. So from what I understand, this scene is actually done on the fly. Very guerrilla indie filmmaking. I think it's just James Cameron and Arnold filming kind of illegally, you know, and I, I've heard conflicting things that that's a real window. If that is a real window, holy hell, good God, Arnold. But I don't know. I mean, he is Arnold Schwarzenegger, so maybe he could bust out a window, but shit. Let me know, guys. But yeah, that scene was done pretty much on the fly, like, I don't know, maybe last minute kind of thing. Just get a camera. Hey, Arnold, walk up to the car, bust the window out, and drive away. And oh, man, this... Sarah has such a shitty day, right? She has such a shitty day. This starts it right here. She spills the coffee on the guy. And then this douchebag kid on the bottom right puts his fucking ice cream down her apron. What the hell? (laughs) Poor, poor Sarah. Starts off as a shitty day and it just gets worse. Now again, here's another uh, very, very cool line and uh, something that's probably going to go in my top Top 10, just because of the way Arnold says it. The Uzi 9mm. I love the way he's just blandly going through the guns. Now, before I understood what the Terminator was, before I saw this movie, that character right there, the gun shop owner. Here we go, here we go. (laughs) So great. Uzi 9mm. But uh, the gun shop owner, I actually saw him in a movie called Small Soldiers before I ever saw him in this. It was just kind of weird to see him in this because of, you know, the fate of uh, what happens to him. You know, I, I was very young when I saw this movie for the first time. So it was like, oh, man, not the guy from Small Soldiers. Oh, 
you can't do that wrong. Okay, so we've pretty much established at this point, Arnold is the bad guy. Arnold's the bad guy. He's, you know, he just killed a gun shop owner for no reason. Um, and so we're pretty, you know, certain Kyle is the hero. And another thing, the editing of this movie, it's so well done. It's so tight. It's so well paced. Beautiful editing. Beautiful, beautiful editing. And I love this. I love the confusion. And that's a you know, and that's something that I would love to talk to you guys about uh, since we're talking about it. There's three Sarah Connors listed in this area, right? And so that's obviously the three that uh, there's the the truck from T two in toy form, but um. There's three Sarahs listed, so obviously that's, you know, what the Terminator's going to go after, but he doesn't have any any sort of um, facial recognition technology in him, so he doesn't know what she looks like. And it's something that, you know, some people are like, why does he not know? You would think that an advanced cybernetic organism would know, right? But maybe, you know, Skynet didn't have that information available to them. They just maybe didn't have that information. Um it's, you know, very, very debatable, but that's my thing. It's just, that's my explanation for it. They just didn't have what she looked like. So fun fact guys, uh, on my YouTube channel that I am not really active on anymore, but, um, it's called bigger boat movies in reference to jaws. Um, I actually did a, uh, a Terminator video that included that, uh, that scene right there where he walks up to the door and goes, Sarah Connor. So if you guys want to watch it, it's a, it, w- it was a fun little thing to film, um, kind of intersplicing the footage of the movie and me together. Uh, you can check that out on YouTube, Bigger Boat Movies. So one Sarah down, but not the Sarah that we need because Skynet does not know what Sarah looks like. So they cannot give that information to their T-800. But it's just a great way, you know, it, it's a way to move the story and to get things in motion, right? To create this, um, these false killings that are not the real Sarah that obviously would make it on the news. And then Sarah, the one that is important, sees it and, you know, is, is totally now aware of what the situation is. It's a great way to make the character aware of what's going on. Genius way, genius storytelling. And brilliant editing right there, right? I mean, you still think, okay, we're still here. Oh shit, we're not here. We're in, this is this is timeline A. If you guys listen to my episode uh here on the podcast of uh how does the time travel in the series work? I'm a big believer in there being two timelines, timeline A and timeline B. For the most part, Terminator 1 and 2 take place on B. This right here, all these future war sequences, these are glimpses of timeline A. But James Cameron isn't interested in really dabbling or uh, or isn't really interested in focusing on timeline A. He dabbles in it, right? He gives us a little glimpse. It's a a little nugget. But that's it. And I love it. It's brilliant. Genius, genius. He's fucking genius. 
And this is something that all the sequels afterwards never, never stayed true to. You know, they never really stayed true to it. The feel of it, the 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 nighttime setting, the the rawness, you know, of this uh, future war. You know, they did. They just never stayed true to how it looked or anything like that. Terminator Salvation is obviously the biggest example they just totally went off into a different thing and you know the director has his reasons for that but we'll get into that don't worry don't worry but yeah they just uh totally obliterated it sort of like her (laughs) so here we go guys i mean this is such you know such great filmmaking these are miniatures just getting exploded but they look you know full size it's great And here we go. We're about to wake up, you know. Kyle's about to wake up and realize, oh, fuck. Thank God that was just a nightmare. You know, I mean, obviously, someone going through this shit, good luck having anything other than nightmares, right? I mean, it would make sense. And obviously, what triggered it was looking at something in a great juxtaposition, right? He's in modern times, which is, you know, 1984, and he sees this, you know, very primitive kind of looking um, so great, so great. He he sees this very primitive kind of technology, right? You know, the construction workers and everything. But he can, you know, he relates it to the future and what he knows, you know, and where he came from. He can relate it to that because it looks similar and it's, ah, oh, it's just so great. So great. Everything in this movie just makes sense. You know, character motivations, why they do what they do. It's all beautiful. Here we go. This is, you know, this is really where it, you know, kickstarts because uh, you got Sarah and Ginger getting ready to go out on a Friday night. And fun fact, I, oh wait, no, 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 not, not just yet. Not just yet. This is funny though. <laughs> you know that's the that's another thing about this movie it's just there's such great little bits of comedy but they're not overbearing you know it's not you know it's not that kind of comedy that is like you can tell oh they had you know they wrote a joke to break up whatever you know what i mean it it just feels like this should be happening you know it just feels like with these characters this is what should be happening you know they're young uh, you know, it's Friday night. You know, all this makes sense. It makes sense within the context of the story. <laughs> and we're here we go. He's back right to it. See, it's such great use of comedy. And here we go. We're now we're introduced to the police station where uh, the assault is going to take place. The iconic police station assault. And there's Lance Henriksen. He was actually at one point considered for the role of the T-800. Again, a very different kind of movie that would have been. And something else that I'm very interested to know, because maybe you guys are familiar with it, because I am not yet. I recently purchased the novelization of this film, and something I've always wanted to you know, see or read about or whatever 
is the second Sarah. You know, there's three Sarah Connors. He kills one of them. We see the T-800 kill one, but we don't see him kill the other one. You know, what went down in that? You know, I would love to know because, I mean, I'm a completist. You know, this is my favorite franchise. So every little bit of detail that I can get, you know, I'm down for it. So maybe the novel is what I'm going for here. Maybe the novel has, you know, a scene of the second Sarah getting uh, axed. Not literally. But you know what I meant. So here we go. This this voice you're about to hear, this is actually James Cameron canceling on Sarah. <laughs> this is a really cool little director cameo. Look at those hairdos. You know, that's one of the things I love to look at, you know, on movies that, you know, that have aged a little bit. You know, you can tell that, you know, this is very much an 80s movie just based off of the hair. If anything else, the hair gives it away. But I love it. You know, it's just an it's, it's an iconic look for the character. And then obviously in Terminator 2, she adapted to the, here we go, jump scare. But uh, yeah, you know, she adapted to the 90s. Very much of their time. You know, so here, you know, this, again, this makes sense. You know, she would be hesitant for, you know, a couple reasons. One, she did see on the news that someone named Sarah Connor was killed. Um, But again, it is Friday night. She's living in Los Angeles. So, of course, you know, she would be hesitant, you know, be, you know, safe and secure, look around. And it just adds to the vibe of the whole thing. We're getting so close to it. We're getting so close to the meeting of the two characters, Kyle and the Terminator. And something that I don't really ever pay much attention to in movies, but like right there, the clock back there, we're almost on 10 o'clock at night, you know? These are the small details, but they give you a great idea of the time and place, the location of the setting of this movie, you know? We're getting, you know, we know it's nighttime, but what exactly what time is it? There's a clock right right back there for you. Very small little detail, but I'm... You know, every time I rewatch a movie, I notice different things. And that's one thing that, you know, I just recently noticed is the clock back there. It gives you a great idea and uh, you can really place what's going on. So here we go. You got Ginger, you know, getting banged. And, you know, back in the back in the 80s, you know, that that that, that was a big thing. Right. You know, if you had sex, you did. So they stay true to it. <laughs> Both of them get killed. Brutally, too. Brutal. You know, the, the boyfriend getting thrown around the room. That's oof, that's hard to watch. Again, real and raw. You know, there's nothing fake about that. Just a stuntman getting thrown into shit. 
<laughs> Lance Henriksen, I always mistaken him or, or uh, mistook him for the character from Predator. I don't remember his name, but he's the guy that goes, um, you got time to duck? You know, after he talks to Jesse Ventura, he, they kind of look alike, but whatever. So here we go. We have Sarah realizing, oh my God, another Sarah Connor killed. Brilliant. You know, just a brilliant way to make her aware that she is in danger. You know, that's a, that's a thing. How do you, how do you introduce the danger to the character? You know, we as the audience know she's in danger, but she doesn't. How do you introduce that? Simple, effective, brilliant. So now, yep, yep. I mean, this all makes sense. She's going to go to the phone book. She's going to look and she's going to realize I'm next. I mean, that would be horrific. Can you imagine that? I mean, we don't really use phone books anymore. But just imagine if you found out that two other people named exactly the same as you were killed in very tight quarters. You know what I mean? In the same basic vicinity, just a few hours apart. You would be, I mean, I would be, I don't know about you, but I would be fucking pissing my pants. So, hell yeah, definitely I'd be on alert. Anybody looking suspicious like that guy right there. (laughs) And we're getting into the Technoir scene, which is one of my favorites of this movie because of the, you know, the colliding of all the characters and the fantastic use of slow motion that takes place in this scene here. Love it. Technoir. They were going for, you know, they needed a name for the club, but it's also a subgenre of film, which is what this movie falls into. Technoir. It's great. I love the dancing in here. I mean, I can't believe people dance like this. Just kind of hopping and keeping their arms at like a look at that look at that (laughs) just kind of hopping back and forth hop 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 it's great that's honestly how i dance so Okay, now we're getting now we're getting a really hard to watch scene for me when I you know was young and watching this movie scared me because um, he just kind of walks in. <laughs> you know that's a that's a frightening thing a killer just being able to walk in. He he doesn't break anything. He just walks right in. Definitely gave me nightmares. And again, I mean, look at this. Even just the the use of being low to the ground with the camera following her. Nighttime. Everything about this screams horror. And I'm and I'm sorry to be beating that, you know, over the head, but uh Yeah. It really is. And it's such a great juxtaposition from the second film. You know, it's so great that James Cameron made the second film 
because he was able to change so many things and really reinvent multiple aspects of the saga. And it's very hard to do that with a sequel. It's very hard to do that. Look at that. Just opens the door. So scary. Ooh. Arnold's like, fuck you. Get over there. She's beating celery or lettuce or something. Oh. I love the like the blood on his back that you eventually see. Oh. And then comes right through the door. I love this shot. This is such a great shot. And here we go. A really, again, this movie has such great slow motion. Oh, you really feel it. You know, so many movies, you watch people get killed and you don't feel anything. You really feel every bullet that goes into this character, every bullet that went into Sarah Connor. You feel it right here. Now see, the Terminator thought that that was Sarah Connor. He thought that that was the one he was looking for. And then he just realizes, oh, wait, hold on. Damn, I got the wrong person. And something that, you know, people fail to realize is, you know, Arnold was still very, you know, he, he was perfect for this role. And in hindsight, it's easy to see why. But he really was perfect for this role because Arnold is not a great actor. I mean, if we can just be 100% real with each other. As an actor, diverse, he's not good. But in... This kind of a film, and then, you know, obviously he was kind of um, pinpointed for this kind of genre multiple times in his career. This, you know, became the, the backbone of his career. This is really what he relied on. Um, he's perfect for it because he doesn't have to say a lot. And because he didn't have to say a lot, he could use that imposing part of him he could use that to his advantage and the terminator is so imposing in this movie so he doesn't have to talk and you know why would he talk a lot so when you when you have an austrian actor with very limited acting range giving him this kind of role it just made sense i i really couldn't i would love to but i really couldn't see him as kyle reese i just i really couldn't see it working out it just would have been so weird and kind of too much for Arnold at this point in his career. You know, Michael Bean was the, you know, definitely the right choice for this, you know, sort of a seasoned actor, you know, you don't want someone who's not that, you know, seasoned and as well has a thick Austrian accent. There it is. Oh, look at that. Look at that slow-mo. But yeah, you, you, you know, you know what I'm going for here, guys. You just, you don't want that. 
It just would have been too much for Arnold to really take on. He, you know, later on in his career, he took on, you know, the dramatic stuff. And, I mean, I think, I don't think he's a good dramatic actor, personally. But, um, you know, later on, you know, Dutch, those kinds of characters, you know, those are okay. Those are okay um, because he, you know, got more comfortable, had more experience, everything. In 1984, Arnold as Kyle just wouldn't have worked. I'm going to stop harping on it because uh, we got some good shit coming up here. Just look at this. Yep, she realizes, I'm done. I'm done, and uh, nobody nobody is here to help me. Everyone is in their own world, and my life's over, and I've accepted it. She's so paralyzed with fear. Look at that editing. So great. So quick, but it's not that kind of quick-cut editing that you don't know what the hell is going on. It's all framed beautifully. Look up, he's like, Yo, you mean, you fucking up my plans too much. Get the hell out of here, man. I got shit to do. Now, like I said, this movie is so well written and executed that character motivations make sense. One thing that I hate about horror movies and killers is they, they always procrastinate. They always take too long. They walk too slow. Look at that. Look, look at the Terminator. He was going to kill her right then and there. He has no hesitation. He's not walking slow, procrastinating, trying to be imposing. He just is. There's the iconic line. And, you know, everyone associates that line with Arnold, but Michael Bean is the OG. Got to go got to go to Michael. Look at the look at the shock in her eyes. She just doesn't understand what's going on here. And I mean, who would? Now the first chase because these are chase movies. Here we go. We got the first chase and we're going to get the first glimpse of what Arnold sees. So great. But yeah, you know, like you know, like I was saying, I just killers that take too long or they, you know, that 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 shit pisses me off. It's just like you're a killer. Why are you why are you doing this? Just do it. Right? Just Shia LaBeouf it and do it. Arnold was about to. So that's what I'm saying. This movie is perfect. Now you could argue, okay, maybe like an edit isn't perfect or, you know, I'm not talking about it in that sense. No movie really in that sense is perfect. But story-wise, it is perfect. And if you guys have any uh, chance to check out the making of uh, featurettes for this film check it out because you'll find out some really cool stuff like about how arnold punched through that glass windshield really cool how they achieved that effect and there's will wisher he's also in the second film um as the guy taking the pictures of arnold in the background after he gets thrown through the glass window in the mall and then arnold comes back up you know he stands back up and um Will Will Wisher plays the guy in the background. He kind of gets like a couple seconds of the camera lingering on his face. <laughs> I love that. But look at Arnold has no uh, no eyebrows. Nice little subtle small detail that they went for there, and even his hairdo is different. It's great. 
because of the uh the fire but um yeah you know uh sorry i'm just you gotta forgive me guys i just i'm rambling on and then the movie catches my attention so i might stop for uh for a little bit and just zone out but yeah that was will wisher he is also a uh, uncredited um writer on this film i think he did additional dialogue but then he also co-wrote the script for t2 with james cameron that was the writer the cop that got his uh <laughs> head beat up against the the cop car there really shouldn't be driving at night with your uh with your lights off But this is a great example of giving the audience exposition and not stopping to do it, you know? This movie really never stops. I mean, very few times does it actually come to a halt. And it's a very fast-paced, energized, high-voltage movie. Here's a cool feature of the, of the Terminators. They can, they can mimic voices that they hear. Great, great little feature there. But yeah, it's a great way to provide exposition to the audience, but not slow things down. Keep it moving. You know, keep the characters in motion. And coming up here, um, you know, I've always wanted to get to, like maybe one tattoo. I don't have any tattoos on my body, but if I were to get a tattoo, it would definitely be Terminator related. And I've thought about, you know, what it would be, you know, maybe getting no fate in the same way Sarah does it in T2 on the on the wood uh maybe get that on my back somewhere or maybe get the um the kind of barcode-esque scanning uh imprint that Kyle has on his right arm maybe get that on my right arm coming up here you guys will see what I'm talking about it's how they are uh in the future, I guess, how they're kept, you know, like how they keep track of humans or something. I'm a little iffy on that. Um, you know, I don't pretend to know everything. I'm still always learning. I think that's what it's for. I think that's how they keep track of um, humans. You know, I'm talking about Skynet. When they, when they capture humans. But again, I could be wrong. If I am, feel free, let me know. I always love... Uh, constructive criticism let me know coming up here we're gonna see uh kyle's i'm just gonna call it the, the the barcode system on his arm but yeah maybe get that as a tattoo i don't know we'll see we'll see what do you guys think what's a good tattoo let me know suggest a couple ideas to me all right here we go And this is a great opportunity for me to talk about because I just uh, recently watched a short film that uh, someone who uh, found Terminator 101 uh, sent me, you know, the link to. You know, they reached out and they said, "Hey, I would love to, you know, get your thoughts and opinions on my short film." And uh, it's called Infiltrator, not to be confused with the novel by S. M. Sterling, um, not to be confused with that novel. This is something separate this is a, a, a terminator fan film 
that was sent to me. Um, and it has to do mainly with the human resistance finding out in the future war about the, uh, the new Terminators and how they are, you know, basically human-like. And it's a great, it is a great little short film. I mean, it really is. You can see the passion dripping and oozing in every frame. So, uh, definitely go check that out. That was, that was definitely a treat to, uh, have that sent to me and, uh, you know, that someone, someone would even care enough about what my opinion is on their, on their work. So go check out on YouTube, Infiltrator, a Terminator fan film. It's like like 27 or 29 minutes long. Uh, not, you know, not, not too long where it drags. It's a, it's a great little short film. Go check it out because there's a sequel in the works. So, you know, if it takes off like it should, you know, hopefully we'll get that sequel. So here we go. We got Arnold looking around, eyebrowless. I love it. Very fashionable look there, man. Maybe I should shave my eyebrows. Said no one. And see every every way that the every way that that James Cameron gets these characters to come back together. It just all makes sense. So many times when you're watching films and coincidences happen, it's just like, ah, oh man, is that really the, the best coincidence you guys could write? So lazy. But every single one of them in here, they all fall into place perfectly. You know, it makes sense that Arnold would keep the radio on, the, the, the Terminator would keep the radio on, you know, just in case. And hey, look, it worked to his advantage. Fun fact, ever since I saw this movie, um, with the window down there, I, I mean, who does, right? But I mean, ever since I saw it, I am always making sure I roll my windows up, because look what happened. Here we go, we're going to get a look at, uh, this is really kind of a, the exposition of um, Kyle and what he went through, you know, with the nuclear war. Great writing. Great acting, great performances right here. Oh, I'm so excited for next year, guys. So excited. And uh, uh, recently it, it broke that uh, for the fourth time now, we have a, a release date, a new release date um, for, the, for next year's film. It's November 1st, which is really exciting because November 2nd is my birthday. So, I mean, that's like perfect. Don't change it anymore. You've changed it multiple times. Keep it at November 1st. Beautiful. But uh, yeah, I'm so excited because ah, I just I can't wait to see what they hopefully do right with Sarah. Sarah, I mean, ah. She's our girl, right? She is our girl. That's what it's all about. Terminator 3 killed her off. Leukemia. Bullshit. Don't do that. Especially off screen. Mm -mm. But don't worry. I've already recorded my Terminator 3 commentary with Durant Cinema. Very excited to share that with you guys. And we talk about that. How pissed off we were about them doing that. But uh, yeah. Stay tuned. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines commentary with Durant Cinema coming soon.
Yep. There we go. Okay. I was just... That's the tattoo I'm talking about. Get that on my arm. I, I was a little unsure um, about that detail, but yeah, Kyle just confirmed it. So he was captured, you know, put into like a slave camp by Skynet. I love this movie, guys. I really do. Watching this just makes me love it so much. Every time I watch this movie, the mythology about this is so rich, and it just baffles me why, you know, after T2, you just, you, the sequels couldn't add a- anything worth, you know, value to it. Okay, all that exposition, right? Heavy shit. But we as the audience want to know all that stuff. All that's out of the way now. Now we're we're back into the action. We're back into the chase. Relentless. Like the Terminator itself. And there's that score again, Brad Fidel. I love this score. I actually have it on vinyl. I don't have it opened because I don't really want to open it. Maybe at one point in my life I will. But, um, yeah, love this score. Very excited when I found that vinyl. It's one of my favorite pieces in my collection. Beautiful. Maybe I should open it now that I think about it. Display it. Oh, now you're driving with your lights on. Now that you've been found. Makes sense. Or he just forgot. <laughs> what? Now they're off. Wait a second. What's going on here? Am I noticing continuity? <laughs> I really don't think Kyle during this chase was like, oh, my lights are on. I swear, if they come back on, <laughs> it's a little error. You know, that's, you know, that's part of the fun of rewatching movies, right? We're familiar with the story. We get used to it. We know what's going to happen. It's still great, but you, you can notice stuff that you don't notice just like that. I mean, I'd never noticed that, the, the lights going on and off. Ah, great editing. And right there, right? That's when he got shot in the eye. I love this. Kyle would definitely have been killed here because he was going to go out and he's going to fuck all of those cops up, or so he thought. Sarah lays him down. <laughs> they will kill you. <laughs> I love that, right? Making her smarter than the hero, right? She is very much the damsel in distress, but not there. Uh-uh. Not there. She's like, uh-uh, don't do that. Nope. Listen to me. And very much like Michael Myers, you know, all those supernatural or whatever you want to call them, uh, killers, gone. Gone without a trace. All right. Now we're, now we're getting into... 
you know, really the 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 repercussions of an experience like this, and this is uh, something that is very, you know, very uh, very much relevant in today's world. You know, trauma, and it's something that um, you know I'm I'm in my mind and sort of in other places, not very much on uh, any of the social media outlets for the podcast, but. Um, on my personal Facebook page, you know, the Halloween franchise and the Terminator franchise share a lot of similarities. And there was a great article about, you know, what uh, next year's Terminator can learn from the success of this year's new Halloween film. Um, and, you know, that film, Halloween, deals a lot with, you know, the, the, the trauma that someone would suffer from something like this. And very much so the same thing with Sarah, you know, I'm pretty sure for a while there she spent a lot of time Ooh, look at that look at that great makeup but she spent a lot of time uh as a victim of this experience that she goes through in the film and then obviously became the hardened warrior of uh, terminator 2 so a little more quickly and uh more fluidly than uh, laurie strode she became not a victim ultimately but a survivor i love this this is great stan winston man i love this all practical because again you know in today's world this could this would all very easily be done with cgi they wouldn't be like fuck that we're not wasting time with creating a animatronic arm with actual moving parts and all that fuck that we're just doing it cgi it looks like shit look at that i mean look at what we just saw and tell me that that doesn't look better than cgi aged very well something that cameron's films do a lot you know a lot of them age very well he just has an eye for that stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> Silberman. I mean, let's just obviously talk for a second about this douche of a character. God. Arguably more of a douche in uh, Terminator 2, but... Uh, yeah. Great character, though. You know, something like this is is needed. This kind of person who looks at it from a different point of view... So we think, or you know what I mean? Like, it's just very multi-layered, this story. Now, obviously, he doesn't believe a word that Kyle is saying, but that provides great drama, a little bit of comedy for the story. Oh, I love this, though. All this information, though, just adding more to the mythology. I love it. I hope at some point down the road we get like Cameron reveals, yep, I've I've been holding on to scenes that no one has ever seen and he releases like a extended cut of the Terminator. You know, cuz nothing can replace this. This is the definitive, you know, cut. Great line. It's just him and me. But, you know, this is the definitive cut, but I would love, you know, I just as a fan, you know, you always want to see more, right? You just always want to see more. 
Now, some would argue this scene hasn't aged well. That shot has aged well. That looks great. Because, I mean, I will agree, yes, this particular part of the film maybe didn't age that well. You know, nowadays they have much more convincing. They have uh, much more convincing. um, Look at that, though. That's great. They have much more convincing animatronics, puppets, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they are able to, you know, get better and more accurate molds of the actors so they can do all that stuff. But right there, that shot looks great. It's this shot. That's This is the shot that just kind of goes, ooh, what? Okay. And that shot, too. That shot's a little goofy. He's looking very uh, robotic. <laughs> But then we're right back into it. You know, they they don't linger on it too long. They get the idea across, what you just saw, and then we're done. We're not playing around with that. Ooh, there's there's Arnold's iconic look from this film, right? Now he's like, all right. I've had enough. I have had enough. This is, uh, obviously, this is the scene that really sets up Silberman as uh, kind of the dick, because he just lets this go on and on and on, and it takes takes someone else to, you know, get him out of his little, oh, look at what I got, you know, to get him out of that kind of frame of mind and be like, dude, she's right next to you, man, come on. Why would you let her hear that? But you gotta love Silverman. You gotta love Silverman. And he does get a little bit of what he deserves in T2. Michael Bean is so powerful in this scene. This is a great monologue. Great monologue. You could take out Silverman interrupting and everything. You could just be like, this is a great just monologue <laughs> Traxler come to the rescue sorry oh sh eat eat dick bastard sorry guys for my language He's a loon. Well, now we know how Arnold actually did it (laughs) in that one scene. Yeah, go yeah, okay. Go to sleep. Ugh. 
Yeah, you would think. 30 cups. You would think. All right, guys. So, I mean, look, this this has been talked to death, this scene. You know, this is the shower scene from Psycho. You know, this is every f- iconic scene from any iconic movie. I'm not going to talk. Let it play. That's it. History, right? History right there. Fun fact, you can see Arnold has both of his eyes when he says, I'll be back. They didn't black out the glasses enough, you know? His eyes still came through. Oh, well. If Cameron were to ever release or to re-release this like in 3D like he did Terminator 2, you know that would probably be fixed. And I'm against that, you know, like I've, I think I've talked about this a little bit, but, um, I'm just, I'm not really for going back into your film and fixing really anything, you know, you had the chance and it, you know, it just happened that you missed it. So leave it alone, you know, and there are little fun things to notice and watch out for. So it just makes for a more fun experience. It doesn't take me out of it. And, you know, when I saw that Arnold has had both of his eyes in that scene, you know, I didn't go, what, 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 you know, for the longest time I didn't notice, you know, it's really only on repeat viewings. So it, 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 Ooh, that's a great shot. Um, you know, it's, it's really only on repeat, uh, repeat viewings. If I can get this out that you notice that stuff, it doesn't take me out of it. It just adds to it. It's like, Oh, cool. Look, Arnold has both of his eyes. I wonder how many people have noticed that, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And look, as much of a genius as Cameron is, we're all human, right? We all make mistakes, so. You can be a perfectionist as much as you want. Like me, you still make mistakes. I've flubbed a few times in this commentary. I, you know, we all make mistakes in one form, shape, way, or another. Shit, he just doesn't get... I mean, clearly he doesn't give a fuck. Man, he just really doesn't give a fuck. He's like, man, get... What the hell? Uh-uh. Get that, get that out of here. Bitch. I love that. He's like, bitch, and then he shoots. Poor Traxler. Really? Come on. Now, I guess this was designed to be like a fake out. You think it's the Terminator, but I never for one second thought that that was the Terminator ever. I mean, clearly coming around the corner... 
It just, you know, Michael Bean doesn't have the same build as Arnold, so. If that was the intention, it didn't work, for me at least. Something I've always wondered, okay, let's assume, hypothetically, let's go a different route. Let's say the Terminator right then and there shot Sarah in the head, killed her, right? So, obviously that would have repercussions on timeline A, but what happens to Arnold? What does he do? They can't self-terminate. What, he's just gonna go about killing for the rest of his time? What, like, what would have happened had the Terminator actually succeeded in his mission? Which some people will argue, well, he did still succeed because he led to the creation of Skynet. But that's, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm really talking about is truly succeeding would have been killing Sarah. So what if he actually did kill Sarah? Then what? Then what is Arnold going to do? Something I've always pondered could make for some good fan film that's something also it's like sort of one of my goals is um not to maybe film it but to at least write um a script for a terminator short film which is another reason why i was so excited that someone sent me something that they actually did you know they actually wrote and filmed their their film you know they made it come to life you know i'm so in awe of people like that and i want to do that but you know one of the hardest things is just figuring out what you want to write about i know i want to write something about the terminator but what exactly and you know whether you play it for humor or play it serious like infiltrator did playing it for serious you know um i don't know but i do want to do that i want to write a script for a short film so We'll see. We'll see where that goes and uh, maybe down the road be able to share that with you guys. But yeah, maybe that could be a cool uh, subject to cover. You know, what if, what, if the, what if the Terminator actually succeeded? Then what? I don't know. But anyways, I digress. Here you have, again, the hero. Not always being the hero, right? You know, you have Sarah. Coming to the rescue. Early signs of who she would become. You know, so it's sort of like ingrained in her. She is a damsel in distress, but when she has to be, she gets right down to business, you know. And especially now because she is developing feelings for Kyle. So she's looking out for him. You know, as James Cameron has said, you know, his movies are love stories at their core. And uh, this movie has uh, one hell of a love story. (laughs) Great little bit of a... 
little little nuggets information there. You don't know who his father is, do you? So I can tell him to get lost. Never really spoke too much about his father. I know he dies before the war. Perfect, you know? That's what I love about it, because that's one of, to some people, that's one of the big things, is who is John Connor's real father? Who's his natural father? You know, if you dabble in it, good. If you go way too far into it, you know, then then you're just confusing mass audiences because one person will interpret it one way, I interpret it another way. I thoroughly believe, am convinced, John Connor's real original father is not Kyle Reese. It's some schmuck that we don't know, never see. Car- er, I don't even know what I was going to say there, what name I was going to say. Sarah, I think I want to say Carol, kind of like a Kara. Who the fuck knows what I was going for there? Maybe like a combo of Connor and Sarah. Anyways, going off topic here. Got to focus, guys. Um, yeah, it's it's some guy that we never see. And uh, that's who Sarah was originally going to meet in this film. She was on her way. You know, this is this is, again, timeline B. She was going to replicate what she did on timeline A. Meet some guy, have John, all the stuff happens, but then here comes Kyle screwing everything up. So yeah, what do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about the whole John Connor father thing? Um... I talk a little bit about it here on the podcast, but let me know. Call in to the podcast through the Anchor app. Share your thoughts. I'd love to hear them. See, at night, we move around. So that's... <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? Terminator Salvation. Nope, they're in the middle of the fucking day. Walking around. Oh, shit. A hunter killer. No shit, Sherlock. Here we go. Another glimpse. Timeline A. Now, this scene is really cool for a couple of reasons. One, it gives us a look at another Terminator that isn't Arnold. This is not Arnold. This is a different kind of Terminator, which, you know, goes to show you that Skynet, you know, produces multiple different versions of these things. There's three different things you have to look at when you're um, talking about a a Terminator. When you're talking about a Terminator, you have to consider the series, the model, and the version. What version are they? Which, uh, you know, I think is the reason why Arnold looks a little different in Terminator 2. He's the exact same series and model as Arnold from the first Terminator, but he's a different version. And I think that's even proved in Terminator 2 with... um, 
you you see that in uh, his his eyesight when you know when when we go to the Terminator and what he sees through his eyes the red up in the corner is uh, that information uh, kind of just being presented to the audience and I don't know if that's in the theatrical cut I'm not certain I think it's e- it's e- it's either the theatrical or one of the uh, special editions um, that have added scenes to them so. Do your research, guys. That I'm not 100% positive on which version it's in. I do know it's in a version of T2. Um, what version of uh, the series and model that Terminator is. But yeah, those are the three things you have to keep in mind. So we're going to get a look at a different kind of Terminator... And we're going to get a look at the iconic photograph that kind of just brings it all together, right? Now, this photograph, this photograph I'm very uh, frustrated with at times over them including him having that photograph. Sorry, don't mean to go off on a side note, but that is uh, Arnold's real-life friend um, who was also a bodybuilder. Uh, I think his name is Franco Colombo. Franco Colombo, boo. Something like that. Franco Colombo, boo. But um, yeah, he got him a little bit part in this film as another Terminator. Kills the dog, man. Heartless. But yeah, that, uh, so back to the photograph. That photograph, it's frustrating at sometimes. Because then some people, that's another thing, right? That's another thing. It's like, well, how did he have the photograph? If this and this and this, right? That photograph kind of confuses things. So uh, I'm not going to talk about it now. Uh, I can talk about it at at some other time. But uh, giving you my thoughts and opinions on the photograph. That photograph right there burning in the fire. But I do believe it is important. It just at times frustrates me. It is a it is a very important piece of the Terminator saga. And we'll get into that. I have that in my notes. I have a bunch of notes I keep anytime I have an idea or something I want to share with you guys. Put it in my phone. So that's one of them. Talk about that. But yeah, how do you say his name? The other Terminator. Franco? Columbu? Bo? I don't know. Franco C. There you go. So apparently... I think this is all this fog is something going on in the actual area when they were filming this. They were like spraying for bugs or something like that. And they just they just so happened to get it, you know, in the shot. They they had it filmed when that was going on. Kind of cool. I like those fun little behind the scene tidbits. There's another shot. I don't know. Did you really have to include it? Whatever. That's another dated shot though. Here we go. This is why it's going to go in my top 10 uh, Terminator quotes, because it's so great. You see his possible responses. <laughs> and the guy just walks away. Okay, whatever. I'm used to it. Ah, yeah, those shots are a little... Why do you have to include them? But again, for the time, they were impressive. 
I love that guy. God damn. He's just like, what? This guy does not give a fuck. <laughs> Great little character moment there. God, Sarah, she is really beautiful, guys. I mean, come on. It, you can't deny that she is beautiful in this film. Very easy to understand why, uh, um, not Sarah, why uh, Kyle would come across time for her. Beautiful. Oh, something I I wanted to talk about, talk to you guys about when I saw it, and uh, I was talking about something else. In that um, in that glimpse into the future war, there's a shot of someone that we think is you know what like looking at a TV and you know not watching it because that would be a stretch, but you know it's a TV clearly, and then it cuts to the next shot and the TV is being used as like a fireplace, you know to uh, to house a little fire that's such a cool it's just it's such a cool image right Ooh, sorry let me just take a second beautiful god damn anyways um sarah uh but yeah it's, a, it's just a really cool image you know just very very smart filmmaking just even those little little bits that you include there right i mean it didn't really do anything it's just a really cool way to show how this one item that meant so much right it, it, it was a form of technology has now been you know downgraded to nothing right you know i mean you could look at it multiple ways the meaning the hidden meaning of that image why the tv is now a fireplace essentially the dangers of technology maybe i don't know because fire's dangerous the, the the dangers of sophisticated technology i don't know are you guys into all that stuff those like um what am i trying to say here those uh conspiracies and hidden messages and stuff like that filmmakers include i it probably meant something and uh i've never heard james cameron comment on it so those are my comments on it <laughs> so here we go unfortunately arnold killed her mom got the information that he needed because he figured she's gonna call mom because again you know not well not again i don't think i've really commented on the way the terminators work very much here but that is a great thing that you know that they can think like that that they they are programmed well enough to know that humans go to you know certain people for comfort or whatever okay guys now we're going to get a great score we're going to get a beautiful score i love this is one of my favorite parts of the score this uh love love scene right can i talk today <laughs> Wow. Jesus. This love scene coming up here. I apologize, guys. I and I didn't even drink today. 
No Blue Moon Freddy. My favorite beer. But you would think I've been drinking all these damn flubs. Yeah, Sarah just wants to be comforted, you know, she just... You know, if if this thing is coming after me and all this stuff I've been told, you know, whether I believe it or not, there is this thing, this supernatural thing that I've experienced firsthand coming after me. So I don't really know you, but in the short time I have known you, you've made an impact on me. So all this makes sense. You know, she is drawn to him. And clearly he's drawn to her. So Kyle's a virgin? I don't know. What do you guys think? Is he a virgin? Or is he just playing? I use that line a lot in my life. Not, I'm not even kidding, guys. Pain can be controlled. You just disconnect it. A lot of times I find myself saying that. And it helps. You know? It really does. I'm like, hell. If that's Kyle's motto, motto. If that's Kyle's motto, then uh, that's my motto. Model. Oh my god. I, I'm, I'm really sorry, guys. At this point, you probably think I'm doing this on purpose. Then that's my motto. If that's his, it's mine. It's a great thing to live by. Try it out. Next time you're in pain, just be like, what would Kyle say? Just disconnect it. Don't think about it, right? Whoo! Heavy shit right there. Heavy shit right there. I love you. I always have. Wow. Yep, here we go, man. She is just, she's like, holy good lord. Great acting, right? Great acting. Just look at her. And I'm not even talking about how beautiful she is. She is truly a great actress. So many emotions in those eyes. And then here she she just lets it all go. Isn't that a great score? That is so beautiful. So here we go. This is uh, the creation of John Connor version two. a funny love scene right it's it's a little i don't know it's a little uh goofy at times with the squeezing of the sheets but like right there like that i mean that works it's really more so with like the squeezing of the sheets and that's it 
John is John is on his way. Alrighty, this is it. This is the final act, guys. This is all or nothing. Here we go. But are you guys with me on that love scene? Like the squeezing of the sheets is a little goofy. I don't know. Maybe for the, again, for the time made sense. In the eighties, they made love differently. Chase, what is this? Chase number three? I feel like it's chase number three. And this is a great one, too, because you got the added explosives. Takes it up a notch. And I love the choice, too, of kind of speeding up the footage, right? To make it even more fast-paced and intense. I like that creative choice. I remember when I was younger, I, I, I thought it looked goofy. The, those certain shots where you can tell it's not at a normal, I guess, frame rate. Like, right there. Like, that's not, that's not normal. That's kind of inhumanly fast. But it's a good way to present this story. It works for this kind of story. Speeding up certain frames. There's another example. Another example. Kyle, come on. You're smarter than that. <laughs> Ooh, he's skidding. This scene is great. My dad, fun fact for you, uh, for you guys. <laughs> my dad is a is a truck driver in real life. So anytime there's like a truck in a movie, he always pretends like that's me. So <laughs> anytime I see this scene, I think of like my dad being the truck driver and running Arnold over. 
But unfortunately, he, uh, yeah, we know what happens to him. He gets pulled aside. <laughs> no, he gets killed. So I'm like, Dad, you do realize you just died, right? He goes, yeah, but at least I ran over Arnold. Here we go. Some terrific makeup right here. Said also, pretty much a, the exact same way, only in a helicopter, by the T-1000 in Terminator 2. Get out. Maybe that's going to go in my top 10 Terminator lines. Get out. Man, look at that. Look at that makeup. It, I mean, you would truly believe that his flesh is gone and we are looking underneath his flesh. But yet that's all added on top. It's just all on top of Arnold's face. Because that's what, you know, makeup is really only able to do for the most part. That kind of makeup appliance really it only goes on top of the face it doesn't the illusion is that we're looking into the face of arnold but we're we're really not that's just how well the makeup is done now that is an animatronic right there that that was definitely full-on animatronic so we're able to look inside and that's why they did that now for some reason those those animatronic and puppets, they look better than the one with just his eye cut out. So maybe it's because they took away more of the skin and had it at different angles. It's really only when you're f full on, dead on with Arnold as an animatronic that he doesn't look right. But yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things at play here. Now this is cool. That's a that's a miniature right there. That's a miniature truck that they blew up. And I never knew that for the longest time. I thought they blew up a tanker. Nope, that was a little miniature. And then obviously that's a I think what is it called? Rear projection. She's in front of a screen. Now here we go. Okay. This is this is one of my favorite parts of this movie. The introduction to what the terminators look like without the flesh the first time audiences ever saw an endoskeleton oh so so iconic so uh memorable just everything about this scene him burning and then he rises Love it. <laughs> that might go on my top ten as well. I always find myself saying that line, too, in real life, just randomly. Kyle! 
Now, this is a cool scene, but it's kind of weird how the Terminator rises there because didn't he fall on his, like, back and burn? So why is he, like, in a clearly ready-to-rise position? It's a little weird. But there we go. Oh, look at that. Look at that. I do not care if that looks cheesy or if it's dated. That is just badass. That stop motion right there. That animatronic. Just a seamless blend of real, miniature, animatronic, stop motion, everything working together. Look at that. Can you imagine that coming after you? I don't know what's... What do you what do you guys think is scarier? The just the endoskeleton or Arnold with all that muscle and everything? I, that's freaky. Look at that. Just a skeleton with red eyes coming after you. That is ultimate terror. There we go. Brilliant idea by Kyle. Let's let's fuck with him a little bit. Cause I know that this shit throws him off. On your feet, soldier. On your feet. Now, certain shots in this scene are of a animatronic top, and if you were to, like, pan down, you would see a guy wearing basically that part of the Terminator as, like, a hat. So there's a guy underneath holding him up, puppeteering the endoskeleton and walking so he can control and walk normal, and it just flows so seamlessly. I just love it. The techniques and everything. Oh, I love this shot. This is my all-time favorite shot of an endoskeleton right here. Menacing. Menacing. At some point, at one point in my life, I will own a full-size endoskeleton that is going to be accurate movie accurate to this film because i own a bust of the top portion of a endoskeleton from sideshow collectibles and it's really cool you know i, I paid a thousand dollars for it but it just doesn't quite look like this terminator which is what it's supposed to be it's from the first terminator so i'm a little ticked off about it i've always had that gripe about it, but I mean, it is what it is. It's it's very hard from I guess what I understand to make a totally movie accurate endoskeleton for whatever reason. I don't know why. You would think in today's day and age you can do that, but
But yes, at some point, I will own a full-size movie-accurate endoskeleton because I am just in love with the design of the endoskeleton. It's my all-time favorite movie design for, like, a, like a character. Brilliant. Brilliant engineering. And her day just gets shittier because now not only did she lose Kyle, but she got a fucking piece of shrapnel on her leg. And this hurts, man. This hurts. Seeing this? Oof. So speaking of like collections and endoskeletons that aren't accurate and longing for one that is accurate and having a gripe about your endoskeleton not being 100% movie accurate... Um, What do you guys have in your collections? What do you guys have that uh, stands out to you? Do some of you have a full-size endoskeleton, like, from head to toe? I mean, like I said, I have a full-size from the chest plate up, but uh, it's not movie accurate, 100%. So do you guys have that? Because oh, I'm so jealous if you do. Let me know. Here we go. Kyle, why'd you have to die? Oh, wait, because you know he dies before the war. <laughs> and here we go, horror film. This fucking thing never dies. I'll say though, man, if like you guys are like looking to hire someone and want pure dedication, hire a Terminator because they don't ever give up. <laughs> Hardworking, determined. That's what their application will say. I always found it funny that uh, the second all the flesh burns off of the endoskeleton, they don't talk. <laughs> like, you never see an endoskeleton talking with an Austrian accent. That would be funny. That would be very off-putting. Very strange. Seeing an endoskeleton sound like Arnold. I guess their voice box burns or their voice command system. What I don't know, whatever the hell you want to call it. Burn... Burned up. That's why he's not talking or he just doesn't want to talk anymore. It's like I've talked enough. Kind of strange that she knows exactly which button to push, but... You're terminated, fucker. Great line. So many great lines. And obviously, the arm leads to the creation of Cyberdyne because they are the one that obtain it. Great uh, way to leave room for a sequel. 
that made sense. Like again, like I said, sequels are hard for them to make sense to exist. Makes sense that it would exist with the arms left. Yeah, I would do. I'd be like, don't touch me. Poor Kyle. Oh, well, you succeeded in your mission. You kept her alive. Now we get the final scene. Beautifully wrapping up this story. And if this movie never got a sequel, this would have been obviously a perfect ending to it. A great standalone film. Everything kind of just coming back full circle from timeline A to timeline B. And I'll get into that when I talk about the uh, the photograph. <laughs> she carries a gun. Love it. Cigarros! And then soda. I'll bet after this movie came out, Renegade, Jeep, Jeep Renegades were very popular, if that's the actual name of that vehicle. I love this bit of dialogue. Yep, that perfectly sums it up. Five bucks is pretty affordable. I know. Chills. Chill it ills. 
Uh, well, guys, we did it. Acknowledgement to the works of Harlan Ellison. Trust me, trust me. We are going to talk quite a lot in the future about that name, Harlan Ellison. Keep in, keep in mind, that's coming up. Got a lot to talk about that guy. Um, but yeah, guys, we did it. We did it. We watched The Terminator together. Um, when you guys are hearing this, when you are hearing this for the first time, the, the release date of this commentary is going to be October 26th. 2018 the exact date this film came out 34 years ago um so we watched it on its 34th anniversary or we watched it at some other time when you guys uh found this and watched it either way i am so thankful happy to have watched this with you guys i really hope you enjoyed this commentary i hope i was informative yep there we go additional dialogue william wisher jr but I hope I was informative. I hope I was entertaining, whatever. If I did something right, let me know because that's all I want to do. I just want to provide great content to you guys. And I'm so excited to watch Terminator 2, Terminator 3, Terminator 4, Terminator 5 with you guys as well. Like I said, I've already recorded my Terminator 3 commentary with Durant Cinema. Um, for my Terminator 2 commentary, I'm going to have a very cool guest on, um, my very close friend, Mikey. He's a Terminator fan. He is going to college for acting. Uh, he loves film. He's very well-spoken. He is passionate. And that's why he's coming on, because when him and I get together, it's a great time. So I figured, and he loves Terminator 2 more than the first film, so he's going to uh, talk to you guys a lot about why, um, why, uh, why Terminator 2 is, is his favorite. Second unit, second unit director, Stan Winston. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, so he'll be on. Look forward to him, um, and then Terminator 3 with Durant Cinema. And I'm still securing um, uh, some other friends for Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis. So we'll see. But they are coming. Stay tuned, guys. If you haven't already, find the podcast on social media at T101Podcast. You can find uh, the podcast over there. I post on there um, when I'm not recording new episodes. So that's where you can find me. Keep in touch. Also, I strongly suggest if you're listening to this on some other kind of platform like iTunes or Spotify, get the free Anchor app in your app store. That way you can call into the show. It's a much more interactive way. Um, you can you know, interact with the content that I provide. Let me know what, what you think. And yeah, that's why I'm a big uh, you know, kind of, I don't know what you would say, the spokesperson for Anchor because it's so interactive and I love it. So Having said all of that, guys, we even got through the credits. Look at that. The post-credits. We got through it all. Thank you so, so much for watching this with me, guys. It's been nothing but a pleasure. And until I talk to you guys next time, keep on terminating.